This is the Cover 2 Podcast with Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Brady on the deep drop, stands in, fires down the middle for Gronkowski, makes the grab at the 45, spinning away from defenders. He's gone to the 20, to the 10, to the 5, to the end zone. The Cover 2 Podcast on Patriots.com. The play fake and the throw to the end zone for Antonio Brown, touchdown Pittsburgh. Nobody covers the NFL like the guys from Cover 2. Eight different receivers have caught a pass from Matt Ryan today. He's looking to throw again. Wide open, Julio Jones has it, and in the end zone, touchdown Falcons. Now, Don Banks and Nick Stevens. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Cover 2 Podcast with Banks and Stevens. I'm Don Banks, one of your co-hosts, joined by Nick Stevens, our producer Kevin Collins, and we have a jam-packed Week 3 Cover 2 Podcast. Um, I don't even know where to begin, so let's obviously start with ripping our Red Sox bullpen. With the shirt on my back and the hat on your head. Exactly. Don, they have officially become, the Red Sox bullpen that is, they are the pitching equivalent of winter is coming. <laughs> yeah, I try not to overreact when a team has 103 wins. <laughs> that's the noise. Oddly enough, that's the noise that plays from the ballpark speakers every time Alex Cora comes out and raises his right arm. Kind of an annoying game last night. An annoying game. I didn't even kind ex- of. I did not expect them to even clinch last night. I thought they would lose, but then you get six innings out of Evaldi shutout innings. Uh, Evaldi looked great last he did. night. He, that was that was, that was that was my takeaway. Yeah, honestly, that yeah. last pitch he threw that he got, I think he gassed Judge on yep. that last pitch, was like ninety nine and on the rise. It was like a vintage Pedro fastball. He was throwing smoke last night. I mean, you can we can talk all day Woo. about the bullpen, and I'm with you. But have you noticed we've stopped hitting for power too? We don't yep. hit home runs either. Um, so anyway, I just read a stat line: Mitch Moreland is batting one seventy six over the past thirty games. JD doesn't have but like nope. two homers and nope he's he remember I he had thirty eight home runs about a month ago I know yeah so that's troubling anyway maybe it's clinch night tonight David Price our hero is on the mound well, different things have been clinched yes. recently clenched, now hope, not clenched. yeah it's been clinch night every night for the past month and a half and now hopefully this will be clinch night no we have a lot of NFL football to talk and we're going to um, we have a great guest Terry McAuley the NBC new Sunday Night Football rules analyst he also is doing the NBC Notre Dame football broadcast as well as a rules analyst. Three-time Super Bowl referee. He's going to be with us, and what a, uh, a, a incident of perfect timing because obviously the roughing the passer calls from Sunday were one of the major topics of Week 2, the Clay Matthews on um, Kirk Cousins' uh, penalty, uh, and then obviously some non-calls as well. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we had Gene Steratore a few weeks back, uh, yes, we who is the new CBS rules analyst. So we're gonna we're gonna get to Terry McCauley in just about uh, twenty minutes or so. But can't wait to dive in to a discussion of uh, what the NFL, what could they possibly be thinking? They get one rule fixed, catch rule, mm-hmm. maybe even the lowering the helmet rule, calm down, and yep. now they create a new controversy, a new blank storm. That's like the the NFL, a new blank storm every week. Yeah, that's it. That is We've it. got rule messes now. We've got former players demanding salary and health insurance. We've got pro- concussion protocol reviews up the wazoo. And then I, comes Monday, and yeah. we get to the Josh Gordon. We get first the news of his release last Saturday is going to be imminent. And then we get, naturally, a trade of course. to the New England Patriots. I believe you even called it on Twitter, did you not? I, I 100, 100% did. 
Uh, it seemed to make all the sense in the world. First things we heard were that teams like the Dallas Cowboys, Gordon himself was hoping for a trade to the Cowboys or the, or the Niners. 49ers because they were going to trade him out of conference. And the second you saw the Patriots, and it wasn't their offense that was the biggest problem or the greatest liability Sunday. They had There were more defensive issues. But you could just see Brady had a hard time. There wasn't anyone to help free up the backs or especially get Gronk open because he was safety over top, double covered here. They had to get something that would open the field. Stretch the field. And if you can get someone who doesn't even take the top, just stretch it enough to free up your playmakers. Give them a little room. Belichick was strangely stoic, it seemed, for the large part of the game on the sideline Sunday. Yeah, I agree with that. And I wonder if he wasn't in process thinking, I don't know if we have this, but uh, i got to do something. Yeah. Well, remember, he uses September as an extended training camp mm-hmm. to try to figure out what he has. It's an evaluation period. For and him. they often make tweaks based on what they see on game days. Look, this guy's played 11 games over the course of 2014 to now. So The Rock has made more movies in that time than games he's played. Exactly. It's an absolute flyer. I think Eric Mangini, our guest last week on the podcast, said it best uh, on FS1. He said, this is a lottery ticket. And I agree. From that perspective, this is... I mean, yes, he's he's a risky player to bring in, but it's a low-risk move because, one, they'll walk away from him in a heartbeat, right? Mm-hmm. They always have. And they're trying to bring Corey Coleman back to the practice squad. I just right. read that moments ago. Really? So it's almost like they're going to use another busted Cleveland wide receiver <laughs> as, Josh Gor- as Josh Gordon safety or Josh Gordon insurance. Look, it. when you trade a fifth, which I don't even think is that much to give up, for somebody with the talent that he has. Look, I know he's got a zero-strike policy. And that he hasn't been on the he hasn't played a full season in a presidential term. I get it, but if you trade a fifth and your fifths are usually towards the end of the round, and if he is not active for ten and years your fifth or more, is your best case scenario if he plays ten right. games, right? Yeah, and if he doesn't, you get a seventh back. Right. It's it's practically free, so it's right. a flyer. Exactly. It is a lottery ticket. I get it. Um, I actually wrote a column yesterday for the Athletic. My editor said. Can you come up with anybody that's kind of, you know, gone through this? And and the first name that comes to a lot of people's mind, Chris Carter. Chris Carter was basically drugging his way out of the league after three years with the Philadelphia Eagles. Right, and he came into the league a hot shot, too. And Buddy Ryan cut him in preseason early September of 90. Right. And the Vikings claimed him for $100, and he goes on to have a Hall of Fame career. Now— I got Rich Gannon on the phone, and I just said, you were the quarterback on that 1990 team. What it was like getting Carter? You knew he had issues. What did the team do for him? Why did it work so well in Minnesota in light of the Josh Gordon trade? And he basically said, we had a great support system. We had a good locker room. They put him with people. Instantly, he had a drug uh, and alcohol abuse counselor. Look, no one is, and I didn't write this, no one's saying that Josh Gordon is going to go to the Hall of Fame. But if there is an NFL history lesson and a blueprint for how you take a troubled uh, but clearly talented receiver who's about to throw it all away and put him on some sort of path to relevancy, the Carter example is the, is the one that stands out the most. And everyone else jumps on the whole Randy Moss thing, and I don't think Moss was as troubled. Apples and listen, and Josh, oil, yeah. yeah, exactly. Apples and the oil. only thing they're thinking is that deep threat for Brady, getting him for dimes on the potential dollar. And Moss didn't take four years off. 
No. Moss was an actual Josh receiver. Gordon basically ha- should have. He's 27, but given the accumulated time in the league, and I don't know what kind of damage all the Grand Marnier and marijuana and everything else did to him, but the dude is in superhero shape. And if he, if he doesn't have the miles on the tires physically that he may have emotionally, if he can even resemble, if he can even resemble 75% of his potential and talent and pick up 25% of the playbook, he doesn't have to run every route. He doesn't have to do every hot read the way that a Welker and Amendola and an Edelman does. He's not James White. They're looking for somebody who can actually take number one corner coverage, exploit it, and open the field. If he does nothing but make things easier for Edelman, White, and Gronk, then he's already an asset. Every touchdown, a total bonus. You have to figure they'll just give him a pretty selected package of plays, at least initially, right? He'll be there to try try to go vertical and try to draw some coverage deep. I I mean, look – this is never an easy offense for any veteran receiver to, to grasp. But we saw Reggie Wayne struggle with it in a preseason. There's a there's a wall with an eternal flame out right. here outside the stadium with Torrey Holt, Reggie right. Wayne, Joey Galloway, Chad they, Johnson. They've tried out twenty. I actually typed out a list on Twitter this week of all the different people that have come in to try to play a receiver this week. I, Twitter almost rejected the character numbers. <laughs> I almost reached the two hundred eighty character it's, limit. It's, it's it's insane. It is insane. So don't. You know, if your if your bar of expectation is set low, and mine is for Josh Gordon in New England, I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, the big question is: I mean, there were some rumors that the Browns feared that he was drinking again. There's rumors that he is just not into football to the degree that you have to be to be a Patriot. Doesn't love the game, uh, you know, as much as an NFL player has to love it to commit and dedicate. So to me, the commitment level, that's going to show itself pretty quick. Is he into being a Patriot and being and going from the outhouse to the penthouse and wants to maximize this? Or is he going to try to play the angles here? Because that won't last long, and he'll be on his way. Yeah, but you catch one or two touchdown passes here, and you can go poor house to Playboy Mansion real fast. But you will but you show up late in a snowstorm, and they'll send you home, even Bye, if your name is Randy Moss. Right. Right? Yeah. For the day. So... You, you know, talked about the locker room culture, though. The, the part, some of the times, I wonder if Belichick hasn't held on to some guys who maybe, you know, the famous line is that he always walks away from someone a year too early. I, there may be a couple guys in the secondary who look like they could be in the process of getting a half step to a step slower, but they're smart players, they're on-field coaches, and they're locker room leaders. And if you surround him with a phalanx of McCordy's and a Slater and a James White, that's the best chance this kid has to not yep. only get his football career together, but his life together. And it's not a great chance, but that's the best chance. Best chance. Doesn't yep. have to be a great chance. Just has to be a best chance. I agree. How do you think how do you think the rest of the league looks at the Patriots with this move? Typical, Son you know, low a... risk, take a flyer, see what they have, or do you think they do you think like they're actually thinking, you know what, they'll probably make it work with this kid? Of course. That's the exact response. You you could just go you could just type in a cursory search in the search Twitter bar, Josh Gordon, and look at, don't look at all the ones that are from Pats fans. Look at everyone else. And it's just like, of course, Belichick, because Patriots. Saw this coming a mile away. Watch. He's gonna be everyone's gonna blow their free agency bid next week in their fantasy league because Josh Gordon's gonna catch three touchdowns against the Lions on Sunday night. And there may be no better game for him to come in right. than against the Lions as well. The rest of the league almost even called the same way that I called it, the rest of the league was half expecting it as well. Right. Because they were the team of need and where better. He was an actual rehab. This is career rehab. All right, I do have one question. 
How do you pull a hamstring at a promotional shoot for clothing? You don't stretch out. You're probably not hydrated, and you try to run a 40 showing off for people. Or you didn't pull it at all, and that was a lie you told the Browns because you were hungover Saturday morning? What? What's or, the truth there? Now it's suddenly okay? A hammy doesn't usually heal, heal itself. in four I know, days. The MRI said it was fine. Four days. Yeah. S- that's a that's a red flag. That's not even something Guerrero on, hands could do. On top of a red flag. I don't even think the TB12 Center could. Watch. And then I'm telling you, watch Twitter. Watch social media if he plays Sunday. And if he catches a deep ball or a touchdown. How would you? Let me ask you this. Let me flip it. How does Cleveland feel right now? Because from what I've read, there were very few good riddance or, you know, fine, whatever. I've been out on him for years anyway. Cleveland fans mostly have just been like, can't wait to watch him become the player he used to be somewhere else. Well, they did. What is wrong with this they culture did put in Cleveland? Almost six years into him, they put almost six years into him. At at this point, they were like the couple that just had lied to each other too often, and that the one didn't trust the other one. At this point, I think they were just over Josh Gordon. They right. didn't think anything he said could be taken on face value, which is a shame. Yeah, which is, which is a shame because Cleveland through the first two weeks looks to be in turnaround. I mean, we we are. We are a kicker issue and maybe a one bad call away from them potentially being 2-0 and I, I, beating two playoff teams. I was typing the words, is the NFL ready for the undefeated Cleveland Browns in snap judgments late Sunday when it looked like they were going to beat the Saints? But they would have been 1-0-1, and that would have been the undefeated Cleveland Browns. Don, normally when you say the, the phrase, and here's the kicker, is supposed to be like a happy punchline, not a negative punchline. Are you expecting one sixteenth of the league to move on from their kickers <laughs> by was, t- week two? I thought, it, you know, and no one was even talking about Pittsburgh kicker Chris Bos- uh, Boswell, yeah. who's had a horrible start. He's missed kicks in weeks one and two. Uh, and the guy who kicks right here in one Patriot place, right, he, I felt like the chance the Patriots had to actually like stake a claim to being able to handle the heavyweight fight that was. Pat's Jag Sunday was get points on that opening drive if they took it. And Guskowski steps up and misses the field goal Shake by you very much. Oh, missed he missed the field goal by more than the width of the goalpost. It was awful. Yeah. Thought he had money on it. But um <laughs> yeah, it's you know, we're not we're not even getting to that game. Um we at the, well we've moved on because matter. Gordon's yeah. the narrative now, yeah. not not the fact that the Pats got outclassed. I, I'm interested to see how much they're going to give him and how soon. Um, but I, you know what? For all intents and purposes, I think Brady and Belichick said it best. We'll see. You know, they don't know. Mm-hmm. They, we'll see what the kid can do. Don't it, put pressure on him. Well, does he need pressure or does he not need pressure? I don't know. If he has anxiety and depressive uh, uh, depressive tendencies, as, as has been reported, New England's may not be the place for you. There's a lot of pressure every week. But what if all of a sudden being in a competitive environment where there's positive feelings and knowing what wins, maybe Mr. Kraft is able to come in and spin some of that paternal love that he somehow shines on some of these kids. Everyone, Look, I'll say is this. Everyone laughed at me when I said Belichick was so mad he was going to come in and construct a super team made largely out of former Cleveland Browns and try to win a Super Bowl to prove a point. And where are we at now? That roster is now over 10% former Browns. It is not. Yes, it is. Name them. Shelton, Hoyer, Gordon, McCourty. Uh, who else? There's, there's five or six former Browns on the roster. Belichick. Uh, <laughs> The, the, it, I didn't see that one coming. There's a lot. There's a lot of former Brown on the Corey Coleman's going to be on the practice. Romeo Cornell. 
Uh, oh, Rack is elsewhere. Yeah. But he's uh, one Browns trash can be another Patriots All treasure. Right. All right, so I don't remember laughing at you about that, but okay. Okay. We'll give you – everyone laughed at you. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what made me laugh okay. in a bizarre head-slapping way. Vontae Davis <laughs> running the ultimate – and he's a cornerback – the ultimate fade route, right? <laughs> uh, you just uh, – you just take off the We clothes. go live now to the tailgating lot with the Bills Mafia watching just, the team. <laughs> you talk about busting a table. Now you, uh, know, why the, now you know why. The maybe he's <laughs> out in the parking lot busting and jumping on a table. That was an all-timer, was it not? Vontae oh. Davis. Uh, talk about losing the will to play. Uh, he couldn't make it 30 more minutes and then, Wait. And then mail Don. this in on Monday morning for a huge headline? Don, same day, he had a thousand-word... Uh, uh, uh. Instagram post ready. You think he just decided at halftime I'm good? I th- I think he did, yeah. You think he was premeditated? He was walking away at halftime? How the hell do you have a farewell speech ready to go after the game? A thousand words. Everybody has that just in case, you know, thousand words. Uh, yeah, I've, read, I've written mine. Oh, uh, wait, wait, I've so written mine. This, actually, hold on. We are 20 minutes in. Don? You're Kevin, it's been a blast. You out of here? I'm good. I'm going to Vonta. If you Wahlberg. To Vonta. See, yeah, see exactly. yourself out, Nick. To, hey. to Wahlberg is to leave a Super Bowl in the third quarter and blame your kid. And to, to Vonta is to just punt in the middle of something. Vonta almost rhymes with walk away. How about that? A thousand word post. Now, listen, I know news organizations have to have those packages ready yes. for celebrities. Obits. They think, yeah, the Obits. Obit package. New York and Times. The career retrospective. Always ready because someone's either on death's door or mm-hmm. maybe they live a life that says, oh, yeah, one of these days so-and-so is going to uh, do, do, do themselves irreparable harm. But what player has like, you know, I just got to keep that 900-word IG post ready in case. I mean, I am in Buffalo. It, he may have gone straight home and just spilled his guts. Freestyled? On IG. As opposed to the Rams practice player who apparently did not go straight home and ended up pulling a point one seven DUI uh, yeah. breathalyzer mm. with a hit and run. That's that, ugly. That was and it was like he was arrested like three hours after uh, the Rams game, the Rams-Cardinals right. game. That's a scary t- story. Yep. Um, almost as scary as the fact that the Cardinals are really, really bad. <laughs> almost as scary as what uh, is clearly a tire fire going on in Pittsburgh. Uh, we should give a little time to this. This is... I like Mike Tomlin. I think he's a better coach he gets credit for. I agree that mm. he has lost a sense of control. You've got your top – all right, two of your top three players. You've got Bell and Antonio Brown blatantly, openly, basically caring much more about their own numbers and their own situation than, than the Steelers' situation. That cannot be a very good environment. A very good environment. It's a – well, I, that was the thing I wanted to do this week was sort of like ask you about NFL regrets. And I think maybe the biggest NFL regret, as the back pages of the New York papers were talking about, should the Giants regret not drafting Darnold or Rosen as opposed to getting Saquon Barkley? I don't think that's as bad because Saquon Barkley is the kind of cornerstone you can build a team around. Maybe it's just that we thought Eli could play and maybe he really can't anymore. But it's more an offensive line woe issue. Yeah. As you stated, to me, the biggest regret in football has to be letting the Bell situation spiral Fester. to the point because it is, it's in everyone's head. The same way that people said Pat's players almost couldn't react in the Super Bowl because they were so shook by the idea that Butler, not only was benched for the first half, would never play. Everyone has, it's got to be on everyone's mind. That team looks discombobulated. 
Don't you think, though, it goes? It, it, it's broader than that. I mean, it's Antonio Brown has had two or three incidents every season where it's basically about him rather than the team. He's from, miffed. Well, the, I mean, he's from kind the Facebook Live to the contract upgrades. Don, have you ever seen him do an interview? He never is. He, he's one of those guys that never talks directly to the reporter. He's always looking. It's like when he did his Facebook Live. He had. He's a handsome dude. He's super good at football. He's all kinds of rich. You can tell that he kind of, you know, he can sniff it. He buys into it. He's so he loves him some Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah, he loves the persona. I, I just don't get where. I mean, this is a huge year for this team. This is not a, a just another season in Pittsburgh. The window is closing. Roethlisberger's getting older. Legitimate pressure might be building on Tomlin. You've got Bell for one more season, maybe. Uh, Roethlisberger, he lost all that weight. He's still got a very accurate deep ball. They found, once again, talk about diamonds diamonds in the draft rough. The Connor kid, who no one else took a chance on, who looks like he could be a feature back. Smith-Schuster has panned out to be one of the best. He could be a wide receiver one for a lot of teams, and he's a great two. And the Washington kid, yet again they found somebody. Right in the middle of nowhere to be a speedy, reliable wide receiver. But, and they've got two good tight ends. But think about all the drama that Pittsburgh has. It's, I mean, Martavis Bryant, the anthem drama last year with Villanueva. Right. There's just always drama in Pittsburgh. And wasn't this supposed to be, you know, the Roonies do it the right way. They're a model franchise. It's, I'm sorry, it's become one of the most drama-filled organizations in the NFL. And they somehow still kind of... You know, rise above it. Not so much this year, oh one and one. But I, I think it's getting. I, I mean, whatever the DefCon. I always get the DefCon, yeah, DefCon one or DefCon five, whichever's worse. It's getting to the worst one. DefCon one is the worst. Where's the drama come from? His name was T O M L I N. T O M L I N. You think he's the the root of it? He, I think he, he just kind of enables it a little. That's what I'm saying. He, but to me, if you're the head coach. Yeah, I know. You have to set the culture. You have to let people know the way they need to handle their business. I think they let their star their their star um, faction on that team do too much and rule too much, and it it has gotten to the point now where they, you know, they can't put the they can't put the genie back in the bottle. Uh huh. And it's if you're a Steeler fan, there's no good. They are signs on the horizon right now. Don, not only did they lose their home opener and give up. Six touchdowns to who could be the the coming of, I mean the coming of all Mahomes. comings with this the Mahomes Mahomes yep. boy here, uh, they are one hold one sort of suspect holding call away from that game having been twenty eight nothing and there was no chance that Pittsburgh was going to come back and tie it up twenty one twenty one if that game went twenty eight nothing. Well, I mean, and don't forget, I think rough. they're one block in the back by Miles Garrett on that interception return that would have won the game for the Cleveland Browns. And would have made it a chip shot field goal. Not that Zane Gonzalez apparently had a chip shot field goal as a possibility because he can miss him anywhere. But with Twitter active right now, I just wanted to report that Ben Roethlisberger just said moments ago he's not practicing today. He's deciding when he wants to take his. But at least he showed up. Off. That's better than Antonio oh Brown on God. Monday. That's what we're, two games in. That's where we're at. Right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get it printed, Don. Your 2018. AFC North champion Cincinnati Bengals, thank you. All right, before we uh, go to Terry McCauley, the NBC Sunday Night Football Rules Analyst, I want one more quick topic. What's going on in Tampa is a lot of fun. I'm sorry. I could not tell where the beard stopped and the chest hair began for Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, the mean, other day. You mean Ryan McGregor? 
Conor, <laughs> that, Conor McGregor's football brother. That was brother. such a great look for him, and it was such a great move. It basically said, you know what, we're, gonna have, we're having fun, we're winning, and I can even steal my number one receiver's clothes or number two receiver's clothes, put them on, and walk out into the press in the press briefing. And it was classic. You and I both thought that two coaches who were going to get kicked to the curb in the offseason – uh, Bill O'Brien, and especially Dirk Cutter. We were all shocked that Dirk Cutter kept his job because that was a mess down there last year. And now, all of a sudden, it looks like this sort of like Sean McVay's uh, cool older uncle of a coach has yeah. his act together because they can score. They're finally utilizing their weapons, and they're doing it. Well, they have great. They had great weapons last year. They and just they couldn't do anything. Well, they couldn't get a consistent quarterback performance right. out of Winston. He forced the ball. He made too many mistakes. It's pretty clear that Fitzpatrick, they're going to ride this magic carpet as long as they can ride it. And why wouldn't you? And, and what a perfect you? team to play Monday night, too. Right. right. The disarray Steelers. When you, when you saw that game, when you saw the schedule come out, did you think come week three, like Steelers at Bucks was actually going to be a game of the week? No, I a lot of didn't. eyes on. I did not. I figured uh, that was probably just the third beating that the Bucks were going to take without Winston in a row. Remember, people said, they're done. They're 0-3 yep. without Winston. They've got the Eagles. Uh, then they've got, who did they just beat? Uh, no, they've got they the Saints. The Eagles, yeah. At Saints, then Eagles at home, then Steelers. They're 0-3. Their season's right. done. Not so much. Yeah, and now, and, and look at this. Uh, before Terry hops on the phone with us real quick, are you as surprised as I am that the Saints have struggled as much as they have so far? Yes, uh, because their defense is, has has not done it uh, in one game. Their offense really didn't do it in the next game. You know, you don't know what you can count on there. I I did think there was a chance their defense wasn't going to be as good as it was last year mm-hmm. and take a small step back. Okay, but I didn't think I would see two home games against two really inferior opponents equal one and one, and then by the skin of their teeth. All right, we are going to be uh, bringing our, our guest on the Cover 2 podcast. Terry McAuley is the NBC Sunday Night Football rules analyst. New gig that he took over in June. He's also going to be part of NBC's, or is part of NBC's Notre Dame football broadcast. And he is joining us now in a very topical moment, coming off a of week two that was filled with uh, much debate and discussion, especially about the roughing the passer calls. Terry, welcome to the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. Thanks very much. Great to be with you guys. Thank you. I, I want to jump right in. Um, I know you've you've been asked this a lot, but I want when you saw the Clay Matthews on Kirk Cousins hit live, um, put on your black and white stripes of your referee career and tell me what you saw and how you would have interpreted that hit had you been out on the field rather than Pete Carrente. I, I, in, in my 17 years as a referee, I would have never thrown that penalty for roughing the passer. It was, it was, to me, it was a perfect legal form tackle uh, with nothing extra added to it and maybe even a little bit less toward the end. Uh, I also thought that that was the second one he'd called in that game. Right. So in my mind... Tony Carini was doing exactly what he believed the National Football League told him to do with respect to roughing the passer. And that is, I believe, why they came out and not only said it was the right call, they supported it, meaning the league, so strongly that they said they were going to make a tape and a teaching tool of it to show everyone around the league what the call is going to be now. And I think that's doubling down on, on a mistake. 
Um, but I think you're right. I think the they wanted to be consistent, knowing that the other call. I, I, curious, did you see the call? And I, I believe it was Yannick Ngakwe against Tom Brady in the Jacksonville New England game, which was almost identical. Which was not flagged for roughing the passer, and if anything, I thought Ngakwe might have put a little more body weight and a little more emphasis into taking Brady to the ground. Did you see that play? I, I did see that, and when I saw that, it, it went right through my mind that Carl Sheffers, the referee on that game, did not feel that his that the National Football League wanted him to make that call, and that's a problem in and of itself because you're trying to be consistent crew-to-crew, week-to-week, game-to-game, and it's clear that two different referees have two different opinions on what their management is telling them is as a foul for roughing the passer. Now, as for, as for the doubling down, this, this was really, this, this whole scenario has been strange from the beginning. Uh, you know, the, the fact that they would have a pool report on a judgment call kind of threw me off. Uh, the, the pool report didn't describe the video, uh, what, what we saw in the video. And, and then we get a report that somebody, some source in the National Football League office has said this was a foul. But there was, I, I have yet to see a name attributed to that, that report. So I don't know who's doing it uh, or who made the statement. And, and I hope cooler heads prevail as, as the week goes on and, and as everybody weighs in, they're going to say, well, we want the quarterback protected, but that was a legal play. Right, and, and, and that's my point. Um, everyone understands why they want quarterbacks protected. Everyone understands that this did originate in part with the bar on Aaron Rodgers' hit last season and the body weight rule. However, there's a point where it's starting to look comically overdone and I think we reached it, obviously, with that Clay Matthews hit, especially since, as you point out, the inconsistency um, in a different game and a, a very similar play. Where, what is your theory for, I guess, the factor of it being so overdone so early in the season? Where is that coming from? It, it, it's it's got to start with the guidance the referees have been given. And, and I was in... Uh, you know, the, the, the first meeting when this was discussed at a mini-clinic in New York in May, and, and as, as we watched video, the first, the, the first few clips were the obvious fouls. And, and, you know, it really started with Tony Saragusa years ago with his hit on Rich Gannon, but they did, they did extend it some more this year that, that there, it doesn't just have to be an overt second act. They want the defender to, if possible, avoid landing with his full body weight on the quarterback but as, as we like I said as we went on watching the clips more and more looked like legal form tackles and there was nothing done unnecessarily by the defender it was just momentum taking them in into in, the ground and and there really wasn't anything the defender can do and there were these plays that I just didn't feel that should should be called we've never called them before and shouldn't call them in the future and and now we are at the point where it was called, and it again, it comes from the guidance. Because these referees, you know, they love their jobs, and they're every time they're out there on every single play, they're just doing what their boss, they believe their boss has told them to do. So, at some point, I hope as as they did with the use of helmet rule, the cooler heads are going to get together and say, "All right, this is football. The defender didn't do anything wrong. Let's not penalize it moving forward." 
We're speaking with Terry McCauley, NBC Sunday Night Football Rules Analyst and NBC Notre Dame Football Broadcast as well. Uh, Terry, how do you think the referees so far, and I know we're only an eighth of the way into the season, have done with the crown of the helmet rule? I haven't seen that really flare up as much as we did in the preseason or to the degree that I think a lot of us from writer like Don to fan like me, it, it, it hasn't seemed to have reared its ugly head the way that we thought it would have. No, it hasn't because they fixed it after week two of the preseason. They, it was sort of a self-inflicted wound from the very beginning. We knew the plays from last year and, and the past that had to be called now. You had to get out of the game. They were so obvious that, that the defender was just lining up the runner or vice versa and punishing with the helmet. And then in weeks one and two of the preseason, they just, they just threw caution to the wind and told the officials, throw whatever you think's a foul. And, and created this huge uproar in the preseason, which we haven't seen since, I think, the lockout of 2012. And, and then they had the, the, that, that infamous or famous Wednesday conference call where Troy Vincent puts out a statement, inadvertent or incidental contact is not a foul. Uh, and then it got better week three of the preseason. And my understanding, there's only been two in, the, in, in two weeks of the regular season. So they, this is where they should have started with it. But luckily, by regular season week one, they got it right. Uh, pairing it up with the, the roughing the passer now, let's hope that similar conference calls taking place today. I haven't heard anything about it, but I would, I would hope that it would be. And moving forward, you know, that's going to be uh, a clean play as well. Do you think they'll, they'll make a change of the language and then claim that they didn't change anything as, as with the lowering the helmet rule? Not that I really care, I, I, but it, it mean, it's comical a little bit that they basically said they didn't change anything. They took out incidental, and that changed the scope and the language of the rule, which kind of fixed the problem. At, at this point, I don't think anybody, as you just said, I don't care as long as they do something and get it right. I think we'll all live with it. We may, we'll laugh at it at the past, but if they've got to get it right moving forward, and if, if that's what it takes, then, then I'm, all, I'm all for it. I wanted to ask just one, one thing that's confused me, and I think it's confused other people, is while they're not identifying the calls as the lowering the helmet rule, they're, they're putting a lot of helmet to helmet, you know, including the two ejections under the unnecessary roughness. But really, that call, I think, is only being made in conjunction with the lowering the helmet rule, correct? I mean, I'm confused by that because it seems like a semantical difference, not a, a difference in reality. Certainly, you can have a combination where it's both a hit on a defenseless player, as it was in the Andrew Luck play and the Cam Newton play, and he's lowered his head, which, he, which as he did in the, in the Cam Newton play. You can have both. And I actually had conversations with some people in the officiating department about this, uh, and... And, and I think we all agree the hit on defensive player has been a rule forever. If there's a choice in what the announcement's going to be, let's do the one, let's make the one that, that's been there forever, that everybody seems to now understand and, and, and move forward that way because it doesn't throw that, that, that un, you know, new thing into the mix. It's, it's something that's been, been a foul, and will continue to be a foul, and we don't need, want to muddy the waters with, was it use of helmet, was it not? Just make the call that everybody understands. So, Terry, obviously protecting the quarterback is uh, of paramount importance because they're the marquee players and they make the NFL move. But at the same time, obviously, safety of all the players on the field is something else. In addition to calling a fair game, 
that the referees and the judges and the umpires have to have on their mind all the time. And now I just read here on NFL.com that there's a review of the concussion protocol on Patrick Chung from Sunday's Patriots-Jaguars game underway. Could you just sort of like take us take us into the stripes for a second? When you see something questionable on the field or a really hard hit, when do you know it's time to signal somebody goes to the sideline and under the blue tent? And when do you think it's you know best to just let, it, let boys be boys and let them play? Well, the NFL has done a great job in educating the officials on the field not to be doctors and not to make diagnoses, but to, to recognize some of the symptoms that, that, that may indicate there is an issue that he needs to look at, you know, such as the, 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 the pose on the ground where the hands are stiff, uh, a wa- getting up and being wobbly, or getting up and walking normally and then wobbling a few seconds later. Some things that you've seen a hit, and you kind of zero in, and you look at his motions, you look at his mannerisms, you look at his head movement. Uh, is it normal, or does it appear that there is something wrong that may be head and neck related? And at that point, the, the, the NFL has instructed officials, you know, you, 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 you just shut it down regardless of situation. Player safety first. Get him looked at. And if the doctor says he's fine, he can come back in. If not, uh, then that's fine, too. But, but just we, they do have, have really good training on the indicators of potential head, head or neck issues. Uh, joined by Terry McCauley, uh, NBC Sunday Night Football Rules Analyst and NBC Notre Dame Football Rules Analyst as well. I wanted to just wrap up with this, Terry. You, you're a three-time Super Bowl referee. You, you refereed the Broncos Seahawks, Super Bowl Forty Eight, the Steelers Cardinals, Super Bowl Forty Three. And the first Patriots-Eagles, Super Bowl Um, Ten-second answers at most. I want to play a little lightning round, have a little fun with you. Um, Did you see Donovan McNabb throw up in the fourth quarter, Pats-Eagles, yes or no? Yes. You did? (laughs) Wow. Wow. (laughs) The legend is finally confirmed. Uh, Cardinal-Steelers, were you winded trying to keep up with James Harrison on that 100-yard interception return right before the half? No. <laughs> Why not? I mean, a hundred yards is a hundred yards. I was, I was, and I was just drinking I was exhausted beer and wa- nachos. Yeah. I was exhausted watching it. It is a hundred yards, but the momentum, the, uh, the excuse me, the the adrenaline takes over at that point, and you're just doing your job, and and uh, and trying to get there and, and and cover the play as best you can. Okay, Broncos Seahawks second half. It's over. Did you get bored like the rest of us, or did you hang in there and pay attention? You never get bored, certainly not in the Super Bowl, but it was actually felt in my mind it was over way before that. Uh, uh, but no, not not never bored in a Super Bowl. And it's funny, I think we all thought the same thing. That game was over when Cam Chancellor laid the lumber on Demarius Thomas uh, on, that, on that one play, setting the tone. Do you think, on, on that subject, do you think that hit, which we could all feel at home, do you think that hit would be a penalty now? I, I, I don't recall it specifically enough to comment on it. I, I wish I had it in front of me. I could look at it again, but I, I just don't, don't remember it well, that well. You know, we had Gene Steratore, who was the new CBS Rules Analyst, on a few weeks ago. Uh, we've had Mike Pereira. Uh, I don't think we've, we've completed the set with Dan, Dean Blandino, but we'll work on that. I just have to know, you guys have done a, a, a great thing for, I believe, the football fan, um, adding your expertise to these broadcasts. But... Um, have you guys unionized yet? Are, are you Pereira, Blandino, and Steratore in, a, in any sort of rules analyst union? 
we're not a rules analyst union, but we do have to belong to SAG-AFTRA, so we are <laughs> are somewhat uh, unionized, but not not our little piece of the world. Well, look, let me, as a football fan and as a longtime uh, journalist covering the league, let me thank you for you guys being candid, because I think the fan really appreciates that. When And I, I have no reason to dislike Pete Corrani, but when he comes out in the pool report and, and the reporter says, what could he have done, meaning Clay Matthews, and he says, well, don't pick him up and don't slam him into the ground. Our eyes did not see that. Our eyes and his report, his verbal explanation did not match. And it's really great when Blandino, Pereira, yourself um, come out and basically confirm what our eyes saw rather than what the explanation was. I think that's just kind of um, you know cathartic for everyone. Well, thanks. Can I can I take up for Crenny in this one little case? Sure. I, I will tell you, being there. That conversation, they know the questions going in, and then, and that answer is coordinated uh, with the vice president of officiating before it's made. So Tony would not have seen that play again, likely, uh, but certainly New York would have, and, and that answer was jointly uh, made by both. You're basically saying Alberto Riveron told him what to say in that, in that setting. Since I wasn't privy to the conversation, I know he was involved. Let's put it that way. Okay. All right. Terry McGauley, uh, if you haven't heard his work with NBC Sunday Night Football as a rules analyst, please do so. He's also doing NBC Notre Dame football broadcast this year for NBC. Three-time Super Bowl referee, 20-year game official in the league. Thank you very much for being our guest and giving us more time than we told you we would take on the Cover 2 podcast today. You're welcome. Great to be with you, and let me know if you need me again. All the best. Thank you, Terry. They really do add a lot to, I mean, the TV broadcast. I mean, yes. When they get it right, they're great. We all had our fun with with Mike Carey's struggles. Right. Um, But I think... uh, (laughs) Don, you're being really kind when you say struggles. I I think... uh, He was not having the time of his life. It'd be like, you know what? Like, before we had to crawl, we didn't didn't know... I'd wow. rather hear from Sergio Dutt than the, Mike Carey in a That game. was almost a year ago. We blew that. It was that over last, a year ago. Well, it, was, it was week one. We should have yeah. played that last week. It we should play it every week. week. Yes, we should have. I say it, I say it out loud yeah. five times every Sunday. Yeah, I said that. Okay. Um, I think it's like the crawl. Once upon a time, we didn't have the crawl, we, so we didn't know what we were missing. Now, if you took it away, we were like screaming. I think these rules analysts, analysts are like that. Like, we didn't know that this was a need until they filled it and now we kind of like what's Pereira saying what's Blandino saying you know what's 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 McCauley going to say and I think that's really a, a, a an improvement to the uh, experience as we've maintained Pereira is the gold standard yes and better hair a, than any of them better he's, hair he's he's great he's fantastic Handsome man, great voice, commanding presence. Even if he's completely wrong, whenever he says something, I'm I like, well, it. Pereira said it. I buy it. Uh, like Schefter's become the breaking news guy with the most sources, with managing the most phones. He's got, there are a lot of great insiders, but yes. he's commanded that presence as well. Uh, they add a lot to the game. I'd also just sort of like, uh, I'd like to uh, pop our own collar here for a second. These excellent guests that you help us book. I don't know if there's a lot of other NFL podcasts that are able to book such a wide array of guests and or including referees or rules analysts that give fans the kind of ins like I love hearing this stuff. I, I love too. like that's why I wanted to ask them the concussion question like they see a hit when do they think you know what that, I, I I'm not buying it. That kid's got to go. I, even if he comes back on in two plays, I can't risk it or like 
oh man, now I'm going to be like the helicopter dad on the field. Like that's what they're almost like right. being coached to turn into. Right. But I'm, um, you know, he's right. They've tried to take that responsibility completely off their shoulders. Now they've got the the observers up in the press box, and they've got people on the sideline. So it shouldn't be their job. They've got enough on their plate. I think it's one of the hardest jobs in sports. I mean, the, the speed of the game, the intricacy of the rule book, which only gets more complicated year by year. Um, that was Look, it was very interesting to hear him say he's going to defend Tony Corrente there because Tony Corrente was basically being told by the league what to def- how to defend that particular call. And that the consistency of the call mattered more than getting it right. He he wanted to. He basically said the consistency of the earlier call in the game, which was went the other way, right, was against the Vikings, um, had to be defended on the Matthews call, and that's the slippery slope you get into. So two wrongs do not make a right in this case. And as far as roughing the passer goes, I think it's as simple as no contact with the helmet. Don't hit him below the knee and below. And if they take more than one step, it was supposed it's to be if you the Ngakwe were, hit it looked like it hurt like hell, but it was a perfectly clean hit as far as I could tell. It was supposed to be if you were of if if you showed uh, you know some malevolence, some violence in the hit. If you were gratuitously throwing them down. I don't know if you're old enough to remember, but the old uh Turkey, like Joe, Jack Tatum Turkey or Joe Jones put Terry Bradshaw like completely on his head and just pile drived him, pile drove him into the ground. I mean, the NFL would come apart at the seams now, but it's supposed to be. I'm so sorry we're not uh, telecast because Nick has been fighting a gnat that is in the studio. Flies. Well, there's flies. always flies in here. I feel like Walter White in and that famous episode of Breaking Bad. We gotta be. We gotta be simulcast because <laughs> this would be so entertaining. Nick has swung and missed, not only verbally but literally multiple times in this podcast. I've been Mitch Moreland getting after <laughs> getting after this fly, man. Yeah, uh, I would have gone with Vasquez, but uh, it's good. oh, it's a good uh, good analogy. But no, I mean, don't you believe? That we've we Peter King said we've crossed the Rubicon with that call, that Matthews mm-hmm. call, and I think we have. I'm glad to hear him, Terry McCauley, say that he thinks cooler heads will prevail right. as they did with the lowering the helmet rule and clean it up a little and yep. say, calm down, we're, we're, we can't take the physicality out of that play completely. They start calling it like that, then how far down the line are we, Don, from the quarterbacks wearing red jerseys? Well, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk half seriously put forth, if you're not going to allow that hit, then make the quarterback like the punter and the kicker. And you can't hit them unless they're, you know, out of their pocket. And, I mean, as ludicrous as that sounds, and as much money as uh, pass rushers would lose when the sack stat goes away, um, you know, we're not that far from it. And I'll say this. When Kirk Cousins comes out and says of the Clay Matthews call that it was generous, quarterbacks are notorious for complaining about any contact, right? For sure. They don't want to be hit. None of them. Nope. None of them like it. And they can't possibly. For him to come out and say that call was generous, that should be a red flag that the league is, has overdid it mm-hmm. in terms of the protection They've, of the quarterback. They've uh, outkicked out their coverage, if you will. Exactly. Uh, real quick, just a thought. Tell me if you agree or disagree with this. Two weeks in, eighth eighth of the way into the season, offensive and defensive MVPs. Would you go NFC, uh, Khalil Mack defensive MVP, and Ryan Fitzpatrick offensive MVP? 
Uh, you were picking them by conference because there's really only one in the yeah, league. Yeah, I was just sort of having conference okay. for conference fun. Yeah, I think you'd have to go Fitzpatrick um, and, Mac and Khalil has, Mack. Yeah, Mac's stats personally are better than Oakland's team yeah, stats. Yeah, I saw that too. Yeah, he he looks like. I mean, I this is going to be fun he, watching does, Gruden just grill oh. on it slowly over an oh. open fire. Yeah, he's more. He's is he smoking or is he brazing? It's like a slow, miserable. It's the heat. pig that's turning. Yeah, it's in a spit. The, yeah, he's just literally on a spit. Yeah. I think so. It's rotisserie Gruden all season long. He is going to grill on this puppy. Um, oh, oh, I mean, Mac looks. Maybe it's the fit. Maybe he just loves being a bear. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe he just. Maybe he's out this year with a point to prove. He also looks like he's in the same kind of. He looks like a bigger Josh Gordon. Yeah, I mean, I would be terrified I would if too. I saw that man running at me. I, I would too, because I mean, he's like total muscle. Yeah. And he's fast. Uh huh. And he's elusive. Uh huh. Tell and me he, when that's not scary. He doesn't usually, like, when he hits you, it's never a glancing blow, it seems like. so Unless he's ripping the ball out of your hands. Yeah, I guess that. And then, obviously, uh, it's Mahomes in the Ma- AFC. Mahomes, who would be our defender in the AFC. Th- Has Von I'm, Miller done much? They're 2-0. and mm, He's been okay so far, I believe. Uh, Von Miller, I'm, I might go Von Miller. I may also go, like, I may go someone from the Jags. You know what? That rookie linebacker, uh, Darius Leonard, for the Colts, look into him. He yeah, had 53. M- he, he's looking monster good. Monster game. That was a against surprise the Redskins. that yeah. they, they shut the Redskins down the way they yeah. did. I think everybody, if everybody was knocked out of their eliminator pool week one by picking the Saints, I think a lot more people got knocked out week two by taking the Redskins. I, yeah, I agree. I, I, think the, I think Washington could be in some real trouble. I mean, they're, they got kind of high on themselves for beating a very bad Cardinals team on the road in week one then came home and got kind of handed to them 21-9 to by a Colts team that I didn't think was going to win more than six games. There's a very good chance that in the, uh, the near future we point to the Cardinals 2018 as maybe one of the worst teams that we all didn't see coming. Yeah. Don, they're averaging three points a game. Yeah. I, and how long do you throw <laughs> Rosen out there? I mean, Or do you say... Why put the kid in a lost cause situation? Let Bradford take the brunt of this for the first six weeks. Yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd get as, I'd get as much out of him as I can. Let me ask you this: ten we, million guaranteed. Why not? When do you go to Mayfield if you're Cleveland? I don't think Taylor's played great. He hasn't played awful. He's just been eh. Right. I, I mean, do you go to Mayfield anytime soon in I, Cleveland? I would. What if, What if he's sitting on that kind of spark that you absolutely need, and he's the difference for that team? Because I, I like Taylor, but I haven't seen anything that is, you know, difference-making. Well, I'm not—if you start him now on a Thursday night, you well, can't say— are not doing that. But you're not going to do that, right. No. So then you don't start him on the road against the Raiders, even though the Raiders would be a decent opponent to start him, at, I guess Who, start him against. Who's week five for Cleveland? Home against the Ravens. Don't like it. Jimmy Smith will be yeah. back. T- tight pass coverage. Yeah, that's good a, pass rush. That's a tough. Week six, home against the Chargers. Bosa will be back. I'll pass on that. Week seven at the Bucks, and tell him, hang him high and let him fly, kid? I don't know. I think he starts by week six. I really do. I, I maybe think, it's on the road against the Buccaneers. Uh, I mean, unless Taylor just starts to light it up. What if uh, I tell you when you do it. Ready? Sunday, November 4th, 1 o'clock games. Mahomes against Mayfield. We're going to bill it right now. Ladies and gentlemen, Mahomes Mayfield won. You know, it, it, it's sad that we didn't get Darnold versus Mayfield this week on Thursday Night Football, Jets-Browns. I think that would have been fun if they did. It would have been fun. I think it would have been good. Any any week two, any, excuse me, week three games on the calendar that you're loving or... I'm not staring at it right now. Hit that me. You're emba- that you're embarrassed. 
Hit me week, week three. You know, I will say one move that we haven't talked about that I think is going to be mm-hmm. <laughs> a great move. Some rough ones on the calendar. Bigger than the Josh down. Gordon yep. move. Dan Bailey to the Vikings. That made Huge. all the sense in the world. Picked him up like that in my fantasy And that's team. why I think they they bailed on Carlson. Yes, Carlson was terrible. He missed the 35-yarder that should have won it when they were gifted that game in Green yep. Bay. But remember how long they stuck with Blair Walsh. I don't think that if Dan Bailey's not available, I don't think Mike Zimmer pulls the cord. But you got to go get a guy who's, what, number two in accuracy, all-time NFL? One Jerry Jones's trash is another Zimmer's treasure. A uh, couple quick points on that, number one. Uh, Kirk Cousins, you do like that. He ba- he balled out Sunday. And I've heard a couple people say that there have been games in the last couple of years, and the phrase they used was balled out. Yeah. Kirk Cousins can, like, we got to stop doubting him now. Like, when the t- when, I, it's, when it's go time, Kirk Cousins I can like ball him. out. Yeah, I like him. It's a heck of a game he played. He deserved a W for that game on Sunday. And has any franchise in the past 20 years suffered more inglorious fates because of a kicker than the Vikings? I say no. Nah, starting with Gary Anderson. Gary huh? Anderson, yeah. Blair Walsh, and now yeah. Sunday. That game. I mean, li- listen, in a in a in a wetsuit on Matt Patricia kind of tight NFC North. That game, that time, may prove to be a real pisser come the end of the season. I don't even know what to do with that image. I just wanted to leave that there, for but it's everyone. not leaving my head. All right, um, Jets Browns Thursday again, just like last week. Yeah. I'll leave it on. It better I, get good for, to make me watch. You know, I think early Monday night, the first Monday night football game was Jets Browns in Cleveland, uh, and I think Namath, Emerson, Boozer, and uh, I don't know. I, I don't think know. I'm going to watch because I think Leroy Brown- Kelly. I think the Browns can win this one. I, I do too. I actually on think defense. I think it's going to be. I got sixteen thirteen. Okay, buy that. Yeah, I'll buy that. Let's talk about our Sunday night game, the, the Detroit New England mm-hmm. game. I think it's going to be a comfortable Pats win. I. I don't I, think Detroit can score with them. I think Detroit's going to put up some points, though. You do? I do. Their passing game got untracked, but only in the fourth quarter at San Francisco. It was a 30-13 to 13 game. Yeah. In the fourth quarter, they scored two late touchdowns to make it look close. Four, four picks by Stafford in the opener against the Jets. So right. Detroit, I mean, sorry. We're, right. we're 0-2 and we're reeling if, if you're the Lions. We're going to be looking at a Detroit that resembled the one that RoboCop had to take over. Like, it's going to be bad. Yeah. It could potentially be really – now, what do you do if you're Bob Quinn? If if Patricia goes 0-3 and, and they give up – let's say they give up – is it unre- unrealistic to think that Brady comes in and puts on one of his classic after-defeat performances? Last year, he gets faced by the Chiefs week one, goes to New Orleans, puts up 36, could have easily put up 43 or more. 2006, they lose to the Jets, going on a Monday night against Minnesota, and he had no receivers. Puts up 36 easy. I think it was, or 34. What about in 14 after Kansas City in week four? Against the Bengals? On to Cincinnati. What'd they do in Cincinnati? They, at home that week, I think they won 34-20. Okay. Or 38-20. I mean, he was a machine. So it's not well time for the Lions that they're getting him off a loss. Uh, I Plus do Gordon. A, I do an opponent feature now for the Athletic, and so I kind of dove into the Lions a little bit. And uh, I'll say this. If I'm talking to people, I talked to Lomas Brown and, and Chris Spielman, um, former Lions, both now, um, you know, announcers. They think Patricia is in that phase where he thought this was a better team than it was. He got in there, realized that he was going to have to change more than he thought. This wasn't just a quick, um, over, uh, you know, get a nine and seven team over the top. And he's going to go through a process this year where he's figuring out who's part of the problem, who's part of the solution. Weeding him out, getting his guys. They got a bunch of guys on one-year contracts: Golden Tate, uh, Ezekiel Ansah, uh, Luke Wilson, the tight end. Bunch of guys. So, 
I think there's a bigger transition coming here in Detroit than he first expected, and the fans are going to be, you know what, over it because they thought nine and seven, nine and seven the last two years. Patricia makes this eleven and five in a playoff team. Yeah, the fans thought wrong. Yeah, he's giving up uh, as a defensive mastermind forty points a game over the last yep. three games he's coached. Yeah. Uh, okay, you don't have red zone, but you're allowed to watch one game. Pick your game here this week: 49ers Chiefs. Yeah, Get I don't some... have red dogs. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have, Belichick called the red zone a crappy canned beer from the late 90s. Yeah, I don't have red dog. So. <laughs> red dog. Oh, he's so good. Um, Chargers, Rams, or well, the Monday night game everyone can watch, or Saints, Falcons. Wow. I think I think Chargers, Rams. Is I, I'll take Chargers, Rams now. But 49ers, Chiefs is going to be fun too. The Rams are, uh, you know, machine-like right now, and that defense is scary for the last, what, six quarters especially. But I want to see if the Chargers are for real, right? This is the battle for L.A. The fight for L.A. The fight for L.A. Uh, They've already lost that, the Chargers. I'm sorry. But I want to see if the Carson Chargers – is it the Coliseum or is it Carson? This is in uh, the Coliseum. Wouldn't it be great if it was in Carson and all the Rams fans took over – that Just, would be the the biggest be slap the in the thing. Chargers face. That would be very cool. But watch, actual Char- San Diego fans will probably make the trip up. Like, oh look, seats, at least something was a seat. Yeah. Although actually, I've heard the Coliseum is pretty miserable. Yeah, they can't fi- they can't finish the Jay Z Dome or whatever they're calling Thunderdome or yeah. go f- yourself, San Diego, <laughs> the, the, the Cronky Dome. Uh, fast enough. I'm I'm really in on 49ers Chiefs too because I think Jimmy's going to put up some points. I think Mahomes boy is going to put up some points. If I'm a Chiefs fan, I am already tailgating. I can smell the burnt ends in the barbecue. I can smell the Arthur Bryant's Jimmy's the Boulevard had, beer. Jimmy's had a, a uneven two weeks. Jimmy's had a little bit of happy feet. He's had some inaccuracy problems. Um, he has oh, you not. You mean he's not the guy that played that he is f- not, one and a quarter, he the five not, quarters in 2016? He's not seven and zero Jimmy so far. So. We'll see. I think I said this early on. I, I I think the Niners will be a much better team as the season goes on. It'll be better at the end than they were at the beginning, and that was obviously same last year. But th- I I think it's going to take them a while to find whatever they are looking for. They didn't get. They missed out on Josh Gordon, but I'll tell you, I'd still call Pittsburgh and be like, "How about a third? Give me a third for Bell." No, way. it would change that. It would change that team not in enough. a heartbeat. Not enough. Not enough. No. But the but he's not coming back anytime soon. They're just. But they they'd be on deck to sign him long term. They'd they'd, ha- they'd have first crack. Is it not right. worth a third at that point? I, no, I think it's worth more than that. That's what I'm saying. That's really. Not, yeah, I do. But but Pitts, But if you're Pittsburgh, you've got nothing for him right now. You are watching a top three running back waste away. Yeah. Well. Okay, so as week three dawns. And look what they can turn it into. As week three dawns, I'm saying that's not enough. Talk to me in week seven as the trading deadline is upon I'll us. Ask you, I'll ask you, Don Banks, I give you two weeks. <laughs> Terry McCauley was our guest today on the Cover 2 podcast with Banks and Stevens. He's the NBC rules analyst and the Notre Dame football analyst for NBC as well. Um, that's a wrap. So much to talk about in week two. Looking ahead to week three. Uh, for my producer, Kevin Collins, with all those great little sound clips, Nick Stevens, my co-host. I'm Don Banks. Thanks for being with us again on the cover, too. Talk to you next week. Security blanket, in other words. Yeah, I said that.
Thank you for downloading the Cover 2 podcast from Patriots.com. Second and goal to go from the two. Toss sweep right for James White. Cuts it under the right arm. Cuts it upfield. Driving forward. It's diving to the goal line. It's going to And a title for the Patriots. It. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Log on to Patriots.com anytime for more news and more podcasts covering your favorite team and all things NFL.